Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, June 30th edition of the Basement Academy. Another month is gone. Wow, where did June go? Uh, Psalm 90, which we'll read in just a moment, uh, talks about, has a sense of how fleeting our lives are, how, how, how quickly they pass, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom, is one of the verses. And I'm just, there's something about the first day of a month and the last day of a month that always catch my attention. I think some of it is praying the Psalms. You know, I, there's just an attention to every day has its own five set of Psalms. And so coming to the end of another cycle through the Psalms, I hope you are persevering in that good work of praying the Psalms. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you could go back to the beginning of the year uh, probably back middle of January, started a uh, pretty lengthy series on how to pray the Psalms. I think we called it a rule of prayer, rule as in pattern, and uh, just commend the daily reading and praying of the Psalms. And so that's why I always like to begin uh, our studies with a Psalm, so that all of our theology, all of our reflection of God is set in the context of prayer and worship. Okay, so this is never just an intellectual exercise that we're uh, seeking. We're not just seeking knowledge for knowledge's sake, but it's a knowledge of God, a knowledge of the Son of God, and a knowledge that transforms uh, a truth uh, that makes a difference in our lives. So to that end, on this last day of the month, let me read Psalm 90. Uh, this is the only prayer attributed to Moses uh, in the book of Psalms. <clears throat> A prayer of Moses, the man of God, it says. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass, and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Mm. 
Psalm 90. Love that one. It's set, I think, in the context, I, I read it in the context of the wilderness wanderings, seeing people pass. Um, there was a generation that was to die, right? The generation of Israelites who did not believe that um, God could lead them into the promised land. They believed the 10 spies who were fearful after spying the land rather than believing the two faithful spies, Joshua and Caleb. And so I, I just have this image of Moses just seeing, you know, just more death, more people dying, that sense of just, you know, at best we get 70 or 80 years. <laughs> and, and, and just like, you know, day flows after day, and then all of a sudden they quickly pass, and then we fly away. We're gone. And so, and then this, this uh, prayer, it is, uh, for, for God's blessing to be upon the children. Show your splendor. Uh, to the children and establish the work of our hands, whatever work we do. Um, the, the verse that catches my attention put here on the whiteboard, uh, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. God sees and, and knows us thoroughly and, and completely. And so in Ephesians, <clears throat> uh, last couple days, we've been talking about this Pauline image of putting off and putting on. That is taking off the old uh, tattered, soiled garments and putting on uh, the new garments, being clothed with Christ as he uh, writes elsewhere. And so it's putting off a former way of life and putting on then this new way of life that is learned through Christ, in Christ, through the word of God, this new way of living, which is really the old way God created us to be. And so we're renewed in the attitude or spirit of our mind. Truth works on us. The gospel, God's word, changes our minds. That's what repentance is, a new way of thinking. So rethinking our lives in light of uh, who Christ is, uh, what, what God's word tells us. And so our secret sins get exposed in the light of his presence. God's word comes in like a, a two-edged sword and it cuts, it divides, it, 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 it works down uh, below the surface, as it were, to the degree that we open ourselves to that, right? And so uh, we pray, God, give us ears to hear, eyes that see, and hearts that are open uh, to respond to to his word. And so Paul, in this fourth chapter, he moves from the theological foundations of a salvation wrought by God who planned it from all eternity, secured it through Jesus Christ, um, sealed it in the Holy Spirit. Um, this, this transforming reality, there's a power at work within us, this mystery that God's intention was to make out of the two, the Jew and the Gentile, which formerly seemed they were at odds and there was hostility that he makes out of the two one new humanity. And so chapter four begins with this call to unity. Okay, there's one God, one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, etc. Be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so uh, the, the practical actions are about how to live as God's people into this new call, this new humanity reconciling, not only being reconciled to God, but being reconciled to one another. And so the putting off, putting on image, now he's going to go specific, okay? So I said yesterday that we would go into some specific actions that he calls for. 
So picking up in chapter 4, verse 25, therefore, okay, this call, uh, therefore, put off, put on. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of, excuse me, of one body. In your anger, do not sin. And he's quoting uh, Psalm 4 right there. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Hmm. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Okay, that's Ephesians 4, 25, verses 25 to 32, the last uh, couple paragraphs of the, <clears throat> of the chapter. Okay, so now th these can broadly be understood, certainly as actions that we should engage in always, or actions we should should put away and then actions we should engage in. But in context, they're speaking within this renewed body of Christ, okay? This Jew-Gentile people we're at odds with or formerly were at odds with that we now discover we are in the same family. And so um, it's putting off actions that destroy unity. It's putting on actions that promote unity, okay? And so it's a series of contrasts here. And there's a couple things that are implied, I believe. And so we'll speak to that. So put off falsehood and speak truthfully with your neighbor because we're all members of one body. So again, the context is you have a formal way of relating as Jews and Gentiles, right? You have a formal way of relating to each other, kind of with suspicion, with hostility, with avoidance. And maybe deception is a part of that, okay? And so these things flow from, these are part of the secret sins that are exposed by God. Each of us has this capacity for falsehood. Now, there's blatant lying, right? Where we just, we just tell the lie, right? Uh, were you there? No, I was not there, but in fact, we were there, okay? Did you stick your hand in the cookie jar? No, I did not stick my hand in the cookie jar when in fact, you did stick your hand in the cookie jar, but we also have more sophisticated ways of being false. We have half-truths. Uh, we have uh, white lies. Um, uh, we can be false about uh, information that we think we know. Okay, We come across things by way of gossip and hearsay, and then we speak with conviction as if we know this thing to be true, when in fact we don't. And so, so falsehood is, is more than just the blatant uh, um, um, outright lie. There's certainly that. But there's shades of truth and shades of lying that we um, engage in. Uh, patterns of, of deceptive speech, 
that we learn over time. Again, it's sophisticated. Um, and so put that away. That belongs to your former way of life. When you're looking at others as enemies, you're looking at others as adversaries. And so, and so do not do so. Certainly in the body of Christ, even if that's somebody that you have some history with, they claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Then you have a call to, be, to live in a truthful, open, transparent manner. And so speak the truth. Be a truthful person. And sometimes it's better to hold the tongue rather than say anything, you know, a half-truth or a, a, a white lie. And then, in your anger, do not sin. A, a quotation from Psalm 4. <clears throat> we all get angry. So it's not don't get angry. Anger is a human emotion. It's, it's a part of the emotional makeup God endowed us with. And so anger serves a purpose. It lights a fire in us. We get angry when we feel we have been wronged or somebody we love or care about has been wronged, when we feel there's been some violation. Okay, So anger arises out of a sense of a violated order. We think the world should be this way. This is what I want to happen or wanted to happen. It didn't happen. I get angry. Okay. So it's, it's, it's an alert system. Okay. So anger is kind of tied to righteousness. Here's a boundary. Here's a standard. Here's something that's supposed to be the way the world is supposed to be. It's not that way. I become angry. It, 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 it fuels us. It gives us energy, right? It's passion to, to act and to, and, and to engage. In your anger, do not sin, okay? So check yourself. Check your anger. Check that emotion. Are you sure that what you think was to happen is right? Is it, is it a good thing? So sometimes we get angry over petty things, Okay? We get angry over selfish things. That is, we, we make ourselves the standard of righteousness and people don't do what we want. So, that's, so this is a call to check your anger. Put off that former way of life. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm justified. You know, we, we often talk about righteous anger. And so check yourself. In your anger, do not sin. Examine yourself. And then this, this call, do not let the sun go down on your anger. What a great image. Button things up. Keep short accounts. Um, clean, clean things up. If, if, if you're at odds with somebody in your home, your spouse, a child, um, a co-worker, okay, something happens in the course of the day and there's, make your effort. So this new life, this life that promotes unity is not the anger because anger tends to bring us into adversarial relationships, right? I mean, we tend to be at odds with somebody and then we don't always know how to express that. So, you know, uh, speak truthfully. So walk in and say, you did this. Say, I was upset at what I, I thought I heard or, you know, I was expecting something to happen and didn't. So I, I, I'm sorry to bring this up, but I think I need to clear the air, right? It's that kind of language. I need to clear the air, kind of just want to, you know, we had a little dust up here. Let, let's make sure we're, we're good. So do not let the sun go down on your anger. So put off the unresolved anger. 
the unrighteous anger. So check yourself before you just kind of go stomping about. And I believe implied here, put on reconciliation. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's a call to keep short accounts, to reconcile quickly, okay? This promotes unity because unresolved anger, the sun goes down, something happened that day, you didn't address it, the next day comes, you show up at work again or you know, you're know you going about your business in your home and everybody kind of knows that thing happened yesterday but we don't talk about it and then one day turns into one week, turns into a month and we never talk about it but it festers, okay? And festering unresolved issues work against unity. They, they, will, they will promote division, okay? Everybody knows what I'm talking about, okay? So it's a challenge to, to do this, to actually live, but this is the new life. So be made new in the thinking. Christ has reconciled you to God and you to that other person. So, so you can... Let that go. Okay, work that through. Then he who is stealing <clears throat> must no longer steal, but must work doing something useful with his hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Interesting context, because probably not too many of us are about stealing. Again, different context, different world, um, agricultural society, not, not exclusively, but often Ephesus, you know, had a, a commercial, uh, was a commercial trade center. <clears throat> um, honest work, right? Work itself, right? So work, the, the, the call to work, to, so use the hands that God gave you. God gave us hands to labor. So you go back to Adam in the garden, tend, tend the garden, till the garden, bring forth the fruit of the garden that you may have something to share with those in need. And so the call God has on our lives is that we don't work just for ourselves, but we work so that we can contribute to society. We can uh, strength, We can provide for a family. We can provide and have resources uh, to share in the community. Because we live east of Eden, we do have, we live in places where there is need, okay? Sin is a reality, brokenness, sorrow, poverty, suffering, injustice are realities. And so, Stealing is, I think the image is, I'm just out for myself. I'm going to sneak things that belong to somebody else. And so I'm going to reappropriate what is yours and I'm going to take it for myself. The call to unity is to reverse all that. Work with your hands, do something productive, and then share with others. So instead of having everything be about acquiring and, and pulling things to ourselves kind of selfishly and, and kind of hoarding things. It's this image of working so that you can, it, it reverses the direction. I work so that I can serve you instead of you work so I can steal from you, okay? I don't know if you can catch that. And so, you know, I'm not sure exactly what that application looks like in our own society and our, you know, everyone who's listening to this probably isn't given to theft too much, but if you're stealing, stop, okay? Um, but but kids do this, right? Okay, we, we, there's something in the human condition that, that wants to do that, mine. And so children will often, you know, try to steal things from other people. And we don't teach our children to do that. That arises from, that's one of those secret sins, okay? There's something in us that wants to acquire and, and to steal for ourselves. Adam and Eve did that to a degree by stealing the fruit that, that, that rightfully uh, was God's. So 
work to share with. So put on this life of, of service to others rather than taking from others. Um, and then a hard one. <clears throat> I mean, it should be easy, but, but unfortunately it's not. Do not let any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's the put off. Do not let any unwholesome talk, this, this uh, unwholesome speech, this, this notion of speech is, is the gift that God has given us. So we're to um, use, use uh, the gift of language, the gift of speech for good ends. Put off the unwholesome talk and put on that which is helpful which builds others up. So edifying speech to edify. We talk about an edifice that is built up, is a building, right? An edifice is a building. To edify is to build up. That's the, that's the image here. So rather than tear people down with your speech, build them up. Instead of be sarcastic, um, uh, instead of uh, being um, um, slanderous, okay, calling people's reputation, uh, rather than gossiping, um, rather than, you know, innuendo and, you know, kind of inappropriate humor and jokes. Um, all these days, speech is all in the, in the news because of the, um, the, the kind of the cancel culture, call out culture around race and gender and sexual identity. And so, um, as Christians, we ought to be about promoting others. And so if we hear somebody telling an off-color joke, certainly we ought not engage in that. You know, should we call it out? Should we gently encourage one another within the body of Christ? We certainly would have that freedom to do so. Um, and maybe it's language like, I think we can do better than that. That, that's a, it's a gentle way of admonishing and reproving someone, you know, or yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if we should say things that way. You know, I, it, it's, it's, it's walking this line between, you know, we don't want to be, again, we don't want to become a, a person who's self-righteous and, and calling others out, but we certainly don't want to participate in speech that demeans or diminishes or undermines others. Only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And so if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all, right? We, we learned that uh, long ago from our, our parents. And so I've written in the little margin here, 429. And so I learned this years ago um, when I was in college uh, through FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, this fellowship group I was in, one of our speakers talked about the 429 principle. 429. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Okay, so 429. Does what I'm getting ready to say here pass the 429 test? Is it helpful? Uh, does it strengthen? Does it build up? Is it true? Um, is it kind? Okay. Does it, does it benefit those who listen? Okay, that's what, that's what the scripture is. So benefit. So put off this, because in, in the former way of life, when we're seeing people as adversaries, particularly people of a different, you know, so the Jew-Gentile tension in our context, maybe a racial or some other tribal tension, you know, we form ourselves into like Republicans and Democrats, you know, political tribes. If you're speaking of others, 
in diminishing ways. Well, well, you know, they're not here, so it doesn't matter. They didn't hear me. I was just talking with my friends. You're not building your friends up. You're leading them astray by using your speech to speak poorly of others, okay? And so I think the 429 principle would be in play. So this one's very challenging, okay? This, but put off that old way of life. Put off that way of just saying anything you want about anybody you want, whenever, whenever and, and, and whenever you want, wherever and whenever. Instead, use your speech to build up. To strengthen, okay? So uh, 429, the 429 spirit. And then he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so interesting, it's like Paul maybe at that moment moves away from kind of the practical theology of, you know, don't steal, don't lie, uh, don't don't speak in slanderous, sarcastic you know, kind of ways. Do these things. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The the spirit that dwells in you dwells in that person, that the spirit yearns to build up and find connection and unity and community. And so when we speak with unwholesome talk or slanderous or false uh, uh, speech, it, it grieves God's heart. And so the spirit is not an impersonal force, but here we have this sense of the spirit as a person, because the spirit is present. We talked on um, on uh, Sunday. I've got my cord of three strands here. So we talked on Sunday about the cord of three strands. You've got the, the third strand, God, who is always present. So when you're in conversation and when you're speaking or acting towards somebody, the spirit is present. So don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. So put off grieving the spirit and put on, I've supplied kind of implicit here is obedience. Do the things God wants you to do. Be eager to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Lean towards that person. Um, if you're at odds with them, then find ways to, to you know, get to know them better so that, so that you might understand, you know, who they are. So don't grieve the spirit, but, but live in obedience. And then finally, he closes out with a, 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 a powerful string, a, a very clear admonition, reproof, get rid of all bitterness, rage, uh, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Bitterness, I'm holding on to that grudge. Rage, where we explode. Anger, we've already talked about anger, you know, kind of that sense of, ah, I'm, I, I deserve this, you know, I, I deserve to, to tell you off. Brawling, the image is there of actually physically in fisticuffs, right? So physical engagement. Now again, Jew, Gentile, formerly host, former hostility. So that's the primary context where you feel justified. Jews and Gentiles felt completely justified in their anger and their bitterness and their rage and their brawling. You know, who knows? They actually, you know, came to, to fisticuffs. Slander. Just you know, calling out another person's reputation, diminishing them, lying about them, um, um, reducing them in the eyes of others. And then malice, that's such an interesting word, malice. Um, it's 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 a kind of a, a quiet, hidden opposition. It's kind of dark. It's the secret sin, right? Malice is I've been thinking and I'm plotting to take you down. 
It's evil thoughts towards one another, evil intentions towards one another. Malice aforethought, right? Isn't that the, the, one of the standards when you're trying to sort out uh, degrees of murder? Um, juries try to sort that out. Is there any indication that there was malice aforethought, that, that there was a plotting, a planning, a, a seeking to get that person? And so put off all of that stuff. Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice, every form of premeditated thinking to go seek the demise of another person. That has no part in the Christian life. Friends, this one, if you haven't been caught yet, <laughs> this one catches you. And again, I just lift up the primary reality in our culture of the political polarization. Now, you can also talk about racial tension. You could talk about gender identity. And so this is, a, this is challenging because there are Christians with whom we are at odds with on these matters, right? Um, who, who speak with strong convictions and, and, and you may be a person of strong conviction on this. And sometimes we are speaking against our sisters and brothers in Christ. And so we, it's, it's, a, it's like a razor's edge. How do we live in such a way so that we do not um, live in such a manner? Instead, let there be kindness and compassion and forgiveness. Forgive others as God forgave you in Jesus Christ. That's the manner that we're to live towards others, not seeking revenge, not seeking to, to diminish uh, or, or, or bring others down. These have no part in the Christian life. Yeah, but what about righteous anger, Don? What about it? <laughs> okay. In your anger, do not sin. So you have to check that anger first. And so what I would say, if you are angry and you want to speak against another Christian, you want, you want to speak against another person who bears the image of God, Get with somebody first and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking about saying. I'm going to write this on my Facebook post. I'm going to say this in a, in a meeting. I'm going to go to them. Check that anger first, okay? Review it with somebody whom you trust, who's a mature Christian. Uh, come to me, come to Eric, come to Lucille, come to somebody else in church that you, whose opinion and counsel you trust. Here's what I'm thinking of saying. Here's what I'm thinking of doing. Check that anger first. And there might be something you do need to go address, but, but, but if you review that with somebody, it gets the light of day. The secret sin comes into the light of God's presence. And I'll bet you it's going to tone down and it's going to be more productive. And I think that's what we're called to. So anyway, it's gone a little long here. It's a, it's a series of put off, put on, all in a, in a, in a um, goal of promoting unity within the body of Christ, but also unity within our relationship. So if, if something in here hasn't skewered you, I'll be surprised and hallelujah, I, I, will, I will want to talk to you personally um, because you know at each one of these, I can just in my own life and speaking about them, I can just think, I wish I lived this more fully. And so again, this is aspirational. It's what we move towards. We're forgiven. So when, if we're, if we're, you know, living over here, our goal is to try to live over here, right? That's what Paul's doing is calling us into this new life. So let God's word speak to you today. If, if you're convicted, if you're feeling a, a little bit called out, 
then turn that over to the Lord, uh, offer your prayers, and ask him to lead you into this new way of of living, okay? Let's close with prayer. Father, thank you for the reconciliation and mercy and forgiveness we find through Jesus Christ. Help us to live into this new life, uh, to speak truthfully, um, to put aside our our anger, to resolve it well, uh, to, to work and be fruitful and, and give and support others, to build others up with our speech, uh, to, to, to please the Holy Spirit rather than grieve the Holy Spirit, to bring joy uh, through our uh, obedience and teach us of kindness and compassion and, and forgiveness. Thank you that you've made it possible for us to forgive others and be kind to others because you have been kind and forgiving towards us. And so lead us in the way of Jesus, even as we pray how he taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore.